Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. This week we're looking back at two highlights from the 54th New York Film Festival last fall. In honor of the release of Personal Shopper, Olivier Assayas' genre-bending ghost story starring Kristen Stewart, we're sharing our press conference from the NYFF premiere of the film. After that, you'll hear the press conference following the premiere of Certain Women, the new film from American indie director Kelly Reichert which also stars Stewart alongside Michelle Williams, Laura Dern, and Lily Gladstone. Personal Shopper opens in select theaters this weekend. Let's go now to Olivier Assayas and Kristen Stewart discussing the film with festival director Kent Jones. Immediately following, Stewart joins Kent Jones along with Laura Dern and Kelly Reichart to talk about certain women. Ring true to, to to you know films are 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 labeled you know uh, in catalog descriptions and things like that. So does the word does the term ghost story sound? Mm. How does it ring to you as the person who made the film? Uh, what do you mean in terms of how the film is is uh, described? Is described well, it you know it's. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't pitch my films, yeah, so right. so I don't I don't relate to uh, simplified the descriptions of uh, both my films and the films and uh, any other film for the matter. So it's uh, no, you know, it's, it's the, the thing that uh, I suppose uh, I try to do is uh, to I, I, I my films are like collage, right? And uh, so uh, for for me, elements going in this or that direction are just a color. You know, it's, it doesn't make the film belong to. Uh, is this a genre movie? Of course, it's not a genre movie, but I'm using genre elements, and it's uh, and the, and it's an important part of the film. And uh, but it's it's. Uh, um, I think that, that the movies I try to make are movies that are. Uh, outside of the box in a certain way. So uh, so so yeah. Yeah, but, that, <laughs> the, the but collage is an interesting term because you're saying that you're. I mean, yeah, I mean, collage in the sense that it's like editing. You know, you, you, it's two two different things that collide, and eventually they create a third one. I mean, which is basically in the uh, imagination of the viewer. I mean, it's it's movies where ultimately you really have to interact with the film, and you you are part of the creation of the film. It, it's 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 been like that for. Every, I mean, it's like it's the way I watch <laughs> movies anyway. But I mean, I suppose that I, I I use it in a more radical way in my own films. And then maybe there's something with the last two films that goes further in that direction. Perhaps. It goes in that direction because uh, Clouds of Sils Maria was kind of a ghost story, but again, ghost story is like a code word. I mean, it's 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 not like a, it's 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 more like a expressing a way of trying to connect with our imagination, with, with considering that when I film the world, when uh, uh, I'm not just filming what I'm filming, I'm filming also something that's invisible and that's floating around. And I think that's the beauty of cinema. The, the cinema as an art, it captured it. it it captures things you are aware of and things you are not completely aware of. You know, it's a, uh, it's it's uh, it it, it um, uh, 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 the cinema. I mean, films are not just like a flat surface that you view. It's some it's 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 an open space where you do circulate. And I certainly do not control that dimension of how the films are are perceived, received, understood, and. Uh, um, 
so uh, in, in that sense, it's a dimension I'm trying to consciously integrate into in, into my filmmaking. And yes, yes, it has been present uh, in um, in Clouds of Sils Maria, and you know because somehow I kind of got away with it in Clouds of Sils Maria. I just tried to go one step further when I was making this film. And did that feel to you specifically connected with um, your experience of working with Kristen? Uh, I think that uh, with Kristen we have some, this uh, non-verbal communication that is uh, that is uh, essential to our working together. Uh, it's it's really so much part of how we function. I think that um, uh, what what I think we we pretty much have in common is to both have. Uh, reflection on what we are doing, which is not saying intellectualizing, but trying to understand the complexity of what we are doing. I mean, you know, and trying to come to terms with it and simultaneously being completely spontaneous, completely physical. And, and what's, uh, what I think is uh, um, extraordinary with, with Kristen is how smart she is in understanding the most intricate complexities of, of, of cinema, of filmmaking, or what is going on within the shot, and you know, and she brings such incredible pace, rhythm. I mean, she she recreates the the, the character from from the inside, and 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 uh, and she does it knowingly, but at the same time, she's guided by her body. It's really her physicality, and and I think that's very much the way I function. You know, I I I, I love to be here discussing you know my movies and using big words, but it's but ultimately when I'm on the set, I find function like a, you know like a very primitive on a very primitive level on, on a, uh, it's 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 i have to react uh, uh, intuitively to to what is going on so i think that's uh, that's something we very much have in common with Kristen. maybe we'll start with some questions from the audience yeah this first question was about the proliferation of screens in the film there are two answers to this. One is basically that whenever I was making Demon Lover, like a while ago, I had opinions. <laughs> I, you know, meaning like I thought something of what was happening in terms of how images did proliferate and our weird relationship to those images which uh, which uh, which which we both controlled and and controlled us i mean they were growingly controlling us i think we, we are completely past that stage now and uh, and 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 i i think like most like most of us i don't think nothing now of images they are just happening around us and uh, with, with and, and i'm like everybody else just trying to not to be Overwhelmed by them and not to be controlled by them. I'm, and uh, but when when I'm when I'm telling a story and 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 um, uh, um, this film, well, yes, of course, I used also phone screens or whatever in Clouds of Sils Maria, but Clouds of Sils Maria was more of a timeless, you know, it was out. Uh, it, 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 uh, Personal Shopper is, is like my first contemporary film for quite for quite a while, and uh, uh, and of course. Narrated, you know, inventing a character, trying to describe how that she functions and how she's searching for herself, possibly. It, 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 it obviously, uh, you know, she's 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 like any one of us. I mean, you know, she spends a lot of time uh, dialoguing with her with her own phone, and uh, and 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 I think it kind of emphasizes the. Um, 
how should I put it? Um, the, the film is very much about loneliness, and uh, uh, our loneliness are incredibly populated. They, 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 there is so much happening in our loneliness in terms of when we interact with ideas, with people we know or do not know via social media, phone, whatever. And so we, we uh, the, the invisible around us or the, or, or the invisible within our imagination, within our thought process uh, is semi-externalized you know, by, by, by the use of, uh, of the, the modern means of communication. And of course, that's a psychological dimension of every character. Uh, and uh, and uh, there is also something mysterious, something complex, something really hard to pin uh, going on. And uh, yes, you know, connecting it with the notion of invisibility, of connecting it with the notion of ghost, and uh, you know, having uh, someone who is being kind of attracted, uh, who is being seduced uh, by uh, like a, 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 an abstraction, someone we don't know is a man or a woman, if it's uh, uh, living or dead, as, she's, as she says, um, it's, uh, um, uh, it's, it, it has to do, I suppose, with how uh, images and, uh, um, and uh, modern means of communications invade us and invade our lives. This question asked how Isaias regulated tone as he played with different genres. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, um, it's very difficult to answer your question because in the, it, it, it's really a dimension where uh, films are a bit like music. They are, they are, uh, it's a very abstract area with how you find the right balance, how you find the right note, it's a, how you find the right actor and how somehow uh, you, you manage to have actors who are in sync with whatever you're trying to do. And it, 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 I think in, in the case of this film, it really has to do with finding the right actress. I mean, with, fi with, with finding someone with whom there is this connection and, who is, and with whom there is this inner understanding of the character. You know, when, when, I, uh, when, I, when I made the Carlos with Edgar Ramirez, which was also a movie that was really based on one character we follow all the way through, um, I used to say that Edgar was directing the film from the inside, and uh, and in a certain way, when I, when I'm when I'm working with with Kristen, um, specifically on this film, even more so because I, you know she's she's alone a lot of the time, so a lot of the pacing, a lot of the way. Um, uh, my shots that I have designed are reinterpreted by an actor. It's 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 uh, it's an essential part of what this film is about, and and uh, you know uh, uh, there's a lot of scenes of moment that were le uh, much that were much shorter or slightly different in my screenplay, and and uh, and. It, it was really up to Kristen within the shot to put the emphasis on this or that, and uh, and 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 make and and she made she made uh, she dug up from from within the character and the, and the story uh, wh whatever resonated with her. Um, it's, uh, um, I think, with another actress giving a different pace to the shot, it would have been a very different film. And I, I think it's the, um, uh, and I think that uh, one thing uh, Kristen masters in a way that's unique is time within a specific shot. 
I mean, I, I, I was really struck by uh, uh, by specific specific shots which were not supposed to be that long. And and but once in a while, you know, I mean, Kristen would do something, and I would turn to my continually girl and, and, and ask her, you know, how long was this shot? And she would tell me like three minutes. And, and I, I, would, I would just freak out because, <laughs> because I didn't realize it was that long because I was not like bored one second. I was discovering something new that Kristen was bringing. So again, it's something that you control and it's, and it's slightly out of control also because it's dependent on, the, on, on your actor. And here it's... Uh, Whatever the pacing of this film is, and wherever the emphasis is, 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 is in, it's very much the, 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 the combination of Kristen's work and mine. Uh, beautifully directed film, but you're also the writer. Can you talk a little bit about the writing process, uh, the research that was involved in, in a subject like this? Because uh, you know, uh, sure. people have certain expectations. And then turning that something that you have written into a script. Like, were you visualizing as you were writing as a director to your No, 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 I, 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 I don't, I mean, I usually don't visualize at all, which, which. <laughs> I was on time, he was early. <laughs> no, we just, just finished up talking about the part about how great you were, so. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I, I wanted to give him some time to really like mm -hmm. you know, lay the groundwork. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I, I mean, I I, I usually. Um, I mean, okay. I wrote the screenplay after a project I had, which was a movie I had written a while ago, did not happen. And instead of you know starting from something that existed, me meaning in my notes, you know, I, I, I keep notes once in a while, I have a notion of a storyline, and if it sticks, I would just come back to it a few months later, and that's how most of my movies has, they have taken shape. In the, in the case of this film, I didn't want to go that pro through, through that process. I, I say, what happened if I start from scratch, you know, I start from zero, from nothing, from a white page, and what's the character that comes up? And uh, the, the character that came up was Maureen, I mean, at least some, 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 some uh, uh, very very primitive ver version of her, and then I let myself be been carried by my inspiration, and uh, and my inspiration um, in the case of, in the in the case of this film, yes, had to do with why not try something that would verge on the genre in in a sense that again, I mean, I I, I felt that uh, the movie I had done right before, Clouds of Salisbury, was kind of a ghost story, but not exactly going all the way. You know, what would happen if I went all the way? Um, but usually, you know, it's it's uh, it, I'm completely schizophrenic. I mean, in, in those terms, you know, I write uh, I, I write stories. Uh, I have no idea how I will direct. I mean, I, I usually, you know, I just find myself, you know, in front of the bridge. How could he write that? And how, you know, how, what, how, how am I going to get away with this? I mean, it, 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 it was extreme, like in, uh, when, when, when we were making uh, Clouds of Sosmaria, and I realized I had written like six or seven pages dialogue scene. How, how, how do you shoot that? How, how you, you know? Um, and, and it was the same thing about Personal Shopper. I was dealing with an area that I was not, not really familiar with. So... In, uh, in, a, in, a, in a movie in, in, in a movie like this, um, the research is not as essential as when you when I do a movie like uh, I don't know Le Destiné Sentimental or Carlos, where it's all about the it's, it's it's all about the research. You know, I spend like months researching, understanding. Uh, here, uh, uh, the, what I research, of course, is to 
specific dimension of the film that I really wanted to get right. One was, um, of course, the spiritualist subculture, uh, which, of course, is, is something that exists more, you know, less depending on the countries, but still it's, it's, it's I mean, you know, check it on the internet. I mean, it's pretty, pretty strong. And also the, the, the spiritualist origins of modern art, which, which, which is something that I kind of discovered in the process of writing and I became fascinated with. Like, you know, like, like uh, uh, the, the, the discovery of modern art is really the beginning of the modern world. I mean, there's something that defines modern society, modern, modern culture, and, 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 and really, actually, it happened from a nucleus of uh, very abstract, uh, spirituality, theosophy. I mean, can, read, can, read what Kandinsky wrote, read what uh, Mondrian wrote, and even more so someone like Ilma Hafklin. So, you know, so the, those were, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that I kind of explored and uh, integrated into the film as I was writing. Kristen, did you do that kind of research yourself, preparing for the role? Um, I mean, I, I was, I, I, I read through that one book that she was obsessively reading through. Um, I think it's just to say, I think it's really, it's kind of a trip that you started particularly different in this case. Nothingness was the start of it. And it's like, you know, you can't really always take credit for um, uh, something that comes through you. And it kind of happened. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, it's yes, fucking yes. weird that that's the first time that you approach something like that. And yeah. then this is what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. It's cool. A question for Olivier and Christian, Kristen about um, the um, uh, modern in 21st century surveillance culture and stalking and uh, how, how their ideas on that in relation to the film. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny because you have, I, I think that Maureen uh, um, wants to at once be entirely invisible and at the same time, um, really seen and I think really struggles with that and I think that that's um pretty much everyone right now it's like even the most out there people I don't think that that has to there can't be a hundred percent true and um even the ones like you know I'm I don't hide anything I don't have any public social media things that I you know engage with but um I ultimately want to be seen um it's just that when you can't Oh, it's weird. It's like we think we have more control over that now than we've ever had because we have it in our hands, but we have none. Um, I don't know. Like, um, we have this weird preoccupation with other people that is, like, so unbelievably distracting. Um, like, not a whole lot of, you know, I feel like much cooler, productive, rad things would be happening. I mean, I sound ridiculous. I sound like really obvious and like, you know, everyone says this. I sound like an old person, but it's like we would be doing way cooler <laughs> shit if um, that was, it's so time consuming, you know. Uh, but uh, I don't feel, I, it's weird. We, it's all, it's, um, it, 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 there are two sides to each, you know, we stalk each other. I stalk people. I get stalked. We all are obsessively, you know what I mean? Um, uh, so it's weird. It's like, um, you know, the whole movie, she's like, she's got a, struggling with a serious like identity crisis because she's two very separate versions of a person. And that's not a bad thing. It's just hard to sort of contend with, um, as a, you know, younger person or something. And, um, yeah, I don't know, but like, yeah, what do you think about the whole surveillance thing? 
It's uh, no, I, I I I completely agree with, with what just you, you just said. I mean, I, what what I think is, uh, and what is interesting in any art form, and especially in film, is more of the more questioning reality uh, rather than finding uh, answers. And I think that questioning also means uh, dealing with ambivalence, with dealing with contradiction. I think any kind of uh, um, uh, any any kind of path of understanding the modern world has to be dialectic in a way or another. So it has to include one thing and the other. I, the, the movies don't function with clear answers, but uh, but uh, well, but. Of course, where I agree with your question, and it certainly connects with the film, it's that certainly this notion of surveillance and how it's uh, uh, so uh, strong and powerful in um, uh, in, uh, in 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 modern culture is one of the issues in the film. How we deal with it, you know. But it's it's again, I think it's uh, also you also um, uh, it's. It's always been like that, you know. I mean, we all art also deals with universal questions, but it's only about trying to find a modern formulation of those questions and of those feelings. Also, you're totally alone um, when you're doing it, and it makes it gives you this false like impression that you're connecting or something, or that like I think the only reason, the only like the the base desire of it is to be like closer to other things. And so I can change myself to then get closer to other things. And I can do research to make sure that I do that properly. And I can like cultivate my taste based on knowing everything and how everyone is. And now I can be what I need to be to get close. But it's literally like, you know, it's like Maureen's interacting with some, something, whatever on a phone. And it's some of the, like, the most race, like, like, my heart started racing, like, some of the sexiest shit I've done on screen, I'm alone. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, my God. And, and I was like, that is crazy. That's what people do all the time. Like, that's insane. It's just such massive disconnection, yet you're just fabricating a wonderful reality. Um, so that's not less real. It's just percep perception. Um, it's weird. Can Kristen break down her outfit and does she have a personal shopper? Yeah. All right. Yeah, um, I, 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 I no. do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're like intrinsic collaborators. Honestly, it goes much deeper than you all might think. Um, we, uh, I, 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 it's a, yeah, you got it. It's a jacket and a vest and pants. Um, um, I have a, I have a stylist and she's rad. She's really talented. Um, but I like choose my shit. <laughs> I don't like get dressed by someone. Um, but, uh, you know, this isn't mine. Like we just borrow this stuff and go, thanks. And then we give it back. And it's like, you know, um, uh, various companies. <laughs> yeah. That they will be getting this stuff. Back. Oh gosh. Oh, fuck. I don't know. Um, no. Yeah, I do know. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, one more. Yeah. <laughs> if either of you believe in the paranormal and whether or not you do or not, if you think you've had an experience. Ooh, the truth can be told. <laughs> I love when he starts talking about this. Like, we don't like have many conversations on set, but like late at night, like, have you seen a ghost? Is that why you do this? Do you believe in ghosts? I definitely said that. Um, I, I think, we all, no, I mean, my, my answer is I think we all do. 
I think we all do. I mean, you know, it's uh, we're all trying to. I mean, we we all know that what we see that's solid around us is not the totality of reality. I mean, that uh, that uh, whatever we perceive of the world is belongs to our thought process that we process it. That you know, what 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 one sees is not the same thing as another person sees because it's filtered by his experience. I think that. Uh, we, it's not just that most of human cultures have believed in communication with, with, with another world, with possibly with the dead. I think that deads, dead do, do live through us. I think the process, that's what the process of mourning is about, uh, that we have some dialogue with the deceased person, anyone who had the experience, you know, lived through that. Uh, so if, if, I think that ghost is just a code word for that. I, I, and I think paranormal is is is, is, another, is also an, another word for that. I mean, I mean, to me, paranormal is extremely normal. It describes what's happening, you know, in my thoughts. I mean, I I do think a lot of stuff that are like paranormal, right? And we all do in a way or another. So it's uh, uh, so that's what I was trying, you know, and uh, even trying to put images on it. Why not? Because you know, the, the images that are created by our fears, by our anxieties, or by our hopes. They are scary, and they are and, and, and they are happening within us. I, I think it's very basic. It's uh, it's 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 uh, it's uh, it's the part of and it's part of any life, uh, and it sh it could be or should be part of any story, e even movies. You know, even movies that are normal. Uh, the the way the viewer watches them brings in paranormal. I think. Uh, <laughs> Kristen, do you have anything to? Add to that. Um, I mean, I think he. I mean, he articulated that better than I than I would ever. Um, and I agree. Like you know, the it's that thing. If like if if it's real for you, then what the hell else is there? Um, and like, uh, uh, there's so much that we don't see that you know we know to be true. And so like, how could you apply? It? You know what I mean? I think it's kind of self protective. Like. Um, a reduction of what it is by saying like, do you believe in ghosts or not? Do you see them? Have they touched you? It's like, well, what else doesn't touch you that exists? You know, and like, uh, I, I, um, I really, I, it's, I, I don't know what the fuck energy is, whatever. Like our thing, there's something that there's something that doesn't go away, and whether I'm making that up or, or I'm actually being left with like some like uh, um, residual debris. I feel people. If fucking intrinsically, like it's something, you know what I mean? And, 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 um, uh, uh, I think that there, yeah, I think it leaves shadows and, um, yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's also, it has to do with the fact that we live in very materialistic societies and, and, and the result of the materialism, increased materialism is that more and more people have to hold to, 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 to relate to something that takes them away from that materialism, that protects them from their materialism. It, you call it uh, meditation, you call it Buddhism, you call it Scientology or whatever, you know, it's, a, you, 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 it's, it's something that's extreme, that's uh, generated by, 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 by modern society. And, and, and it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, it, I, I think in that sense, it's an important and exciting and inspiring uh, question, you know, for, 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 for contemporary artists. Thank you very much, everybody, and thanks, you guys. Thank you. Hey there, this is Eugene Hernandez, Deputy Director here at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Close-Up. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to get new episodes delivered to you every week. You can also rate and review the show on iTunes, which will help us reach more cinephiles like you all around the world and help us make this podcast even better. 
Thanks again for listening, and now back to our show. Please welcome Kelly Reichert, and to the stage, Kristen Stewart, Laura Dern, and Lily Gladstone. So in the interests of uh, time, why don't we just get started with questions. If anyone has anything that they'd like to jump in with, you can. And if you don't, then I'll start the ball, the ball rolling. Uh, hi, uh, Clayton Davis of WardCircuit.com. My uh, question is for Kristen Stewart. You have three films playing at the festival, this uh, Personal Shopper and Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. I just wanted to know, uh, in this time in your career, what are you finding yourself most attracted to uh, in terms of roles and these different roles that you're taking at this point? Oh, good stuff, you know? Um, yeah, like, uh, I, I typically don't have to spend more than like five minutes in a room with someone to know if I want to explore something with them. And uh, I've just been kind of navig navigating it like that. And um, I've worked recently uh, uh, with like a lot of people that I've grown up really loving, which this is a great thing. Um, and I'm, I, yeah, it's like super lucky and it's super conducive to making like good shit. And because uh, I think I have pretty good taste, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but also like, at the same time, like I, um, I really love like not knowing that something's going to be good and, and spending a few minutes with someone and going, shit, you've never done this before. Well, let's do it now. Uh, so I, I don't, there's no like formula. I, that's so not how you're ever going to make anything worthwhile. It's like, um. Yeah, I'm really not precious about it. I've just gotten super lucky lately. Yep. Kelly, what was it in these stories that you that drew you to make this movie? Um, the stories are from a Montana-based writer, uh, Miley Malloy. Uh, she's not Montana-based anymore, but she's from Montana. Right. And um, I had done four films with Jonathan Raymond out in Oregon, and he had children and, um, and whatever, wanted to pay attention to them or something, um, <laughs> and, um, and work on his novel. So I was uh, left on my own. And, um, and I came upon her stories, and uh, it was a new landscape to uh, investigate, and all the characters were um, really part of the environment they were in. And so it seemed like a... Um, I, I liked all the, there was all these great women characters uh, that were sort of alienated to the people that were closest to them, but somehow making connections to people that were strangers. And so um, those sorts of things were kind of the um, leading threads. Uh, microphone, Peter. Here it comes. <laughs> You, Kelly, you seem to be able to find the mysterious in the quotidian, and it's just almost like a Whitman-esque quality to it. Is that a lot from the writing, or is that also your sensibility? Tell me the question again. Oh, man, you like for my hat. Every day? All right. Um, <laughs> Kelly's not very right. smart, you know. Um, I'm not that, smart. I, 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 I
just started shaking his head like in disappointment, going like, you're so nuts and bolts. And um, it was like, <laughs> I am, I am. Wow. The everyday? Well, well that's um, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 okay. Um, Layman's the, language. The hassles <laughs> of the everyday? Um, the small strokes, is that what we would talk about? Um, um, yeah, I, I am interested in the, I, I really like filming, um, processes of uh, whatever that is, you know, walk across the country, build a fire, um, build a bomb, uh, go to work, um, uh, feed a horse. I, I do like small processes and, um, and uh, you know, now look at the north, I could watch it all day, build an igloo, um, you know, so I'm just trying to um, work some story into that uh, sort of uh, sort of thing, and, I, and I, I don't know, I've sort of come to realize that all the films, and this one included at the end, end up being um, a lot about uh, driving from point A to point B, and um, people, or walking, the getting to and fro seems to um, be where a lot of things take place. Um, but, uh, I mean, a process has a nice place to start and things to do and keeps people active. And it's a Active and healthy. <laughs> well, yeah. active, it keeps people doing things so they, um, in a way, I don't know, you could ask these guys about that. So there, there's not really, so, I don't know, is this fair to say? So in a way, like dealing with an animal or building something or having to something deal with a really windy day in the scene you guys have. I mean, it, it, it does take, makes, there, is there less acting in a way? <laughs> I don't know if you'd say it that way. Reacting but it, to the I think it's more like you just get certainly. more to chew on. Yeah. Well, it's like, um, it's like a, a, I didn't, I, I didn't uh, go through the process of doing anything, but... Um, um, no, really, I did nothing. Uh, but you were doing that long drive to and you just didn't from, see that. Yeah, you didn't see. Yeah, that. Right. you were yeah. having to process those bad cheese sandwiches and teaching. Yeah, in one night, yeah, teaching the class. Teaching is a process. Totally, you see, really, really, like a little bit of that too. You watch her, you know. But um, uh, the, the thing that I really dig about not to talk about you while you're sitting right here. Yeah. Um, but uh, most people do not focus on um, the quotidian. Yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> well, the Quintidian well, is a whole other level. We'll talk time. about that later. It takes forever. It's like people go, oh, no, but like, what's the most important part? Like, what, where's, like, show me the moment where something happens. And that's like what we're used to seeing in movies. And like, if you can look at the stuff that goes on in between stuff, like getting to and fro and stuff like that, that's like when things start living. And, and, and um, it's really vulnerable to like not play something or not be expected to play something. And like, you, you have like a. All of a sudden, you um, you start revealing things rather than like displaying them, and uh, that's what I love about her movies. That's like a that's the thing. Yeah. Well, it's, actually, it's interesting because you just said the different movies uh, when you were talking about this film. And so, did you guys think of yourself? I mean, Lily and Kristen were in the same movie, but did you think of yourselves as being in separate movies? It's interesting. I mean, in... this movie, but oh, you yeah, weren't. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. No, well, yeah. they weren't really there at the same time. Right, yeah. yeah. And Laura's movie is quite distinct in that it's a, a situational kind of drama. And, yeah. and, and I think, you know, I, I mean, I can speak from my experience of it, but I, I'm assuming we probably all shared this 
even though we were within our own movie, there was a longing to feel the connection so that we were fulfilling uh, the collaborative whole that we were asked to do by Kelly, but it was, um, it's elusive and subtle. And like what Kristen was talking about, the thing I admire so much about Kelly's work and why I was so thrilled to be invited to this journey um, is that she is interested in the life that happens in the pauses. And, you know, as an actor, that you get to come into that space. And it is the space where no one's watching, that you reveal the most of yourself. And each of us got to do that and then perhaps consider how we were telling the same story. And I think even through the press, we're starting to have conversations about what that is in new ways that we didn't necessarily even know when we were making it. Yeah. Lily, you were going to. I was just saying, though, I'm in the edit, like you were saying, you find a lot more, and then the more you watch it, you remember making choices, whether they were really, really clear or vague, something that you were just sitting with and kind of letting digest in your gut, and then little burps of emotion coming out. (laughs) But, um,. Yeah, the, the edits that Kelly found in the story and the choices that we ultimately made revealed a lot of who the rancher became um, because it's, it's a huge process, the rancher that we tried out in a lot of different ways and the rancher that's on, on, in the film. So I, I found the takes and I found the character choices that I made and Kelly saw the takes that had those little through lines in them. And, um, yeah, it's... I don't know, it's getting a little off topic about all the stories kind of Not really. coming no. together. Uh, I think I'm done. <laughs> Microphone down here. There are so many great gestures, but there was one that startled me, and that was in the diner uh, when uh, you are wiping your mouth with the napkin still wrapped around the cutlery. That was uh, terrific. I've never seen that uh, anyone do that. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. It was quite startling for me also. <laughs> Somebody said that to me earlier today. Um, and they were like, tell me about this choice you made. <laughs> I was like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, she has no time, you know? Like, I don't know, there's stuff on your face and just get it off and yeah. Go, yeah, she's so distracted and fucking self-absorbed, so unbelievably self-involved. Like, there's just not a Oh, she's busy. Think. She's, you know what, you're very sweet. <laughs> Come on, yeah, but yeah, no, but what? Why? I'm like so curious. (laughs) Yeah. What do you mean, though? Yeah. That is, it is just so, so telling about right. a person. That's awesome. That's, uh, it, the, there is a knife inside, I suppose, too. So it's this symbolic in yeah. a napkin. <laughs> on, on a quotidian level. Made my Kristen mom laugh. Thought that that's how every, <laughs> Kristen thought that's how everyone in Montana eats. And we say, okay, no. Yep. <clears throat> Orange. I'm very orange today. Orange man. So, so you'd see me. Um, uh, wonderful performances by all these wonderful women. But I have to ask Kelly a question. It's kind of both Kristen and Laura are playing lawyers. 
was Michelle's character supposed to be a lawyer too? I didn't get what her profession was. Yeah, why are you or we don't, lawyer? she doesn't have yeah. a profession. It's funny when you start to scout around the country, like I was scouting Boise for a while and I thought, oh, I wonder if there's any lawyer's offices. And then you realize in every town I scouted, it, there's lawyers and medical buildings. And that's really what there is. Even out west, it's just like, where's the feed store? It's like lawyer, 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 medical building, lawyer. Um, uh, it wasn't said what Michelle's um, character was. Um, uh, it, it, at times we talked about her being a lawyer, it seemed too heavy to put that in. At times I thought she might work for an ad agency. Um, she seems like a professional who was... Yeah, she's from California, moving to Montana, in my mind, yeah. I think Miley Malloy wrote about lawyers a lot because I think her parents are, law are lawyers. Go ahead, Jim. I, I want to also thank each of the actors that are present and the ones that are not for being in this film. Um, it's a small film, it's a beautiful film, and your work is stunning individually. I wanted to ask Kelly a question about landscape and field division. It seems that I, when I first saw this film some time ago, one image stuck in my mind, and it's in the stable, and there's a window in the back that looks out on the prairie, and, um, and the horses go in and out of that, but that, that's the one I carried of all the images that I remembered from the film. So I want you to, and your characters seem to be rooted uh, as secondary almost to the landscape in most of your work. And the script itself, for me, is like a pinter script. They say things to each, the actors recite words and actions, but, but what's, underneath, what's underneath of that is what really captures me about what the where the communication is not in the words, but it's like a tree or a river or a waterfall. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I wish I was better at articulating um, these things. Um, there is a rule on set between me and Chris Blavelt, my cinema. I don't want to say my cinematographer, the cinematographer I'm lucky enough to work with, um, that there can be no beauty or landscape for its own sake, that it has to somehow be working in the movie. It has to be serving something. Um, same with an animal. You know, there, it can't be for the sake of sentiment and, you know, and how to, um, uh, I, I guess um, I could talk about, like, maybe Robert Adams or um, some of the photographers who really capture the West that's all sort of though about man's footprint in it. And uh, um, there's a painter I like in uh, Oregon, Michael Brophy, who also paints their landscape paintings, but you can't ever escape that there's this, um, the tracks of what, what where we've been. And, um, so um, I guess, I don't, I'm really not 
answering the question well. Uh, but I, I do sort of have a feeling um, about uh, a lot of the places we really do leave the most beautiful shots behind us. And, um, and it can't, I just wouldn't want the landscape to uh, take over a character or try to get something across. Um, it can get across loneliness and you can look small in it, but it, it's, a, it's a fine line. Like it, I don't want it to play to sentiment or, um, yeah, take, if it's not sort of working for you, it tends to take away something. And so I guess it's how, where they fit in, in in it. And 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 the goal is, you know, how to get, get you know, sort of physicalize what's internal without having to do it through dialogue. That's like one of the main goals, though, you know, there's, you know, I like the dialogue. Um, uh, in the film and in Miley's stories, but I am interested in sort of how the frame can work and what you can get across uh, with a cut or with how someone moves through a frame. Maybe another way of slicing into it is that the landscape actually becomes a character um, mm -hmm. in, in the film too. Dude, I don't want to be that loser that like talks to like out of like whatever, but um. Well, uh, <laughs> Uh, what I You're really not, like about the, so, yeah. well, but what I really dig about the, that shot, like um, the door opens, it's so stunningly beautiful. Like um, you have a character who lives in this environment, and it says so much about her because, like, I appreciate like physical beauty, but not like somebody that lives in Montana and runs a fucking ranch farm, like a like a ranch, and like like wants to really gives themselves completely to this in a way that's like really mystical and like kind of like totally beyond me. And uh, I, th that shot for me totally functions as like, it's so character defining for her. She wakes up there every morning and that is what she loves. And it's so beautiful and I've never seen anything. You know what I mean? Like um, uh, you just wouldn't, I don't know. There's a reverence to it that's immediately contagious. It's cool. She sees it every morning, you know what I mean? It's like, it really does say something about, it's not just pretty for the sake of being pretty, it's like a thing, it's a serious thing. Well, so Let me tell you, <laughs> let me just tell you how I feel. Yeah. Uh, one little tidbit that I, I found really cool was when we were shooting, we were at the epicenter of three different mountain ranges um, with the trip tech that felt a little bit um, fateful. And the, the range you see are the Bridgers and then the crazies, and then the Absaroki Mountains, which is an uh, anglicized articulation of Absaloga, which is Crow Nation, um, which is my character's mom's nation in Miley's story. But yeah, anyways, three mountain fronts, three stories. thought that was kind of serendipitous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were right in the middle of it in, in Clyde Park. It's the kind of shit like that that she knows that you can tell immediately. <laughs> that you're just like, this person's from this place. Like, that's, that's then it. Yeah, I am. <laughs> shot speaks to it like it does. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. I just wanted to really quickly follow up on that back here. For Lily, back here, hi. Where are you? Sorry. Uh, can you talk about the preparation for taking care of the horses and what you had to do and, and how it made you feel at the end of the day? It's, you seem very zen in the role. 
Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing puts you in a Zen mode like hard manual labor with animals. <laughs> Negative um, six degree weather. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I grew up in Browning, Montana, which is uh, I'm, my family, a long history of Indian cowboys. You know, um, my family particularly, though, my, my mom's a teacher. Um, so that's a little bit more what I'm familiar with. I was around horses. I was around ranch work growing up, going to visit cousins and everything. Um, I did a lot of heavy lifting on theater tours and stuff, but to prepare specifically for this role and to get lived in, I just wanted to get to know the animals, basically. That's what it is. Otherwise, it's just moving stuff around and starting an ATV and stuff that we can all do. But, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks, Laura. <laughs> stuff that... Uh, Stuff that stuff that girls that are built like like the rancher can do pretty easily. Um, so I grew up in that environment a bit, but to get specifically ready for it, it was going out to the actual location and really immersing myself with the specific animals. They all have very different temperaments. Um, I mean, Rowdy and I fell in love immediately. The little corgi, <laughs> um, and then really that's where I found a lot of the rancher that you see on screen was present in the rancher who owns the property. Um, there were a lot of, there were a lot of unspoken words, you know, but we had such an understanding and that's, that's pretty, that's pretty common. Mm -hmm. You go out and you, you buck bales together and you give the horses their shots. She trusted me to do that one morning. <laughs> um, and then you just, you settle into a real quiet ease with all of them. So it's, it's nonverbal communication. All. I went and lived in it for a couple weeks. It was a working ranch. It was a working. Um, Most of the it horses a, were pregnant it was a, too. It was, it was such a um, lucky, lucky yep. find to find that ranch. It was so random of just driving around and scouting, and um, uh, and I had in my head a beige ranch. In in Miley's story, it's a cattle ranch, um, and you're just going to red barn after red barn, and then suddenly there was a beige ranch, and my location scout went to the door, and we met uh, Lynn, who was the rancher, this woman, 61 years old and 21 horses, that she does the whole routine herself, and she made fun of us. We Every day we were out there, Chris Blavelt, my assistant uh, director, and I, We every day we were out there before Lily got there, we'd leave the ranch and we'd go and buy more clothes, more boots, more jackets, more, like, just trying to get warm, and she made so much fun of us. She was bare, you know, she didn't even have gloves on. But she was so skeptical of having an actress come. And I kept saying, you know, we want someone to come work with you for two weeks, and she was so skeptical. And then, um, well, she wants to adopt Lily, but she had um, the cult, the next cult that was born was named Lily. Wow. She's a little buckskin. <laughs> But Laura, you were good working with a car, a pen, an office, and a bedroom, right? Yeah, yes, I was, mean it was a lot of yeah preparation. You know, working yeah. Preparation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. She, she had Jared to work to manage. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. One little thing I'll share about Lynn's routine that I've never seen on any other ranch I've ever been on. She uses baling twine to to shut gates behind her because they just you know locks freeze so much and they take so much replacement and this this twine is lying everywhere. So the moment where she where the rancher cuts the little twine that's totally original to Lynn's routine. 
going to be helpful to you New Yorkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Always use bailing twine. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, hello everyone. This is Art from our, my New York guy. Um, congratulations, uh, beautifully acted film. Uh, such a wonderful cast. I mean, it's it's amazing. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, casting process uh, in in the sense that did you decide that you wanted all these female characters uh, because and it could have been uh, was it a conscious conscious choice and then developing these beautiful characters and. Uh, working with these individual actors, well, what was uh, that like? And I have a follow-up question for uh, Chris, uh, Kristen, that uh, you worked a lot in um, commercial uh, Hollywood, and now you're doing such beautiful independent films as well. As an actor, do you find this more satisfying? Is it a conscious choice again, or is that something that just you know, came to you? All right. Um, casting is a long and winding road. Uh, I mean, Kristen, I first became aware of in The Runaways and um, film, which I thought she was amazing in. Um, so, and then she did a film with my dear friends, uh, Richard Glatzer and Wash Westmoreland, and I watched all their dailies, and I was like, oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. I saw everything, yeah, yeah. And Laura Dern I've been wanting to work with as long as I've made movies. And um, I was trying um, really hard to get on her TV show to direct her. And, um, and so anyway, I got her this way. <laughs> and um, Michelle Williams, uh, love Michelle. Um, and she's always game and she's really easy to work with. And then Lily was like uh, the gift of the film gods that um, came our way. And, uh, yeah, and so, um, I mean, working with every actor is so, so different. And um, each interaction is just an education in a new possible way about how to, um, you know, you're like all of a sudden you're in a project with someone that you don't really know and you're and you're asking them to completely trust you. And, um, and I, aside from just really great performances, they're all um, happen to be uh, people that brought, um, and I would say this about Renee and Jared Harris and James LeGros, also that brought, um, a, it's a total collaboration and brought a lot of um, ideas and things, things that I hadn't pictured and um, and you know it's an evolving thing that you're in the middle of, and um, and so it's and we're very very the cast is very tight with the crew on these films. Um, everybody's there's not yeah. I've, there's a wonderful crew, and there's not really any separation from crew and actors. Everybody's sort of very much in it together, and um, so um, I don't know. It's it's very lucky <laughs> to be able to work uh, with these women. And um, and those guys are pretty good, too. Uh, yeah, I will say. Um, uh, Jared's around somewhere. I don't know where he is, but uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, oh, it's t totally the same thing. I would never, I would never uh, uh, 
draw attention to the distinction between doing a big movie and a small one because then you're like, cool, well, why are you doing it? That's weird. Okay. And um, I've always like, I mean, I guess you could technically draw distinctions because you have more money to play with and then like it kind of, I mean, naturally affects the dynamic a little bit, but like at the end of the day when you're really, I've never approached anything going, oh, this is bigger now, therefore I'm like, less entitled to something meaningful or something. That's, every, that's what you think, you know? Um, but it's totally not true, even if, even if the result of it makes you think it. Um, we were trying, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you need a payday, so you get on a Riker, so you get on a... No, I was gonna say, so you get on a Rikert film. Yeah, no, but the you thing is, actually, film. just to say very quickly, because everyone thinks it's like a thing where you're like, no, it's one for me, one for them. Uh, I just got really lucky on that one. It just like, made a lot Yeah, this is the one for us. Easy, easy. This was the money made. Ah, I seem to have touched on some. <laughs> Boy, I'm in big trouble. Firestorm. Yeah, go ahead. I'm wondering about the, the subject of love. It seems that so many of the men and some of the women had terrific needs. You know, that they, were, they were sort of needy people and they wanted to connect. And the connections were really limited. So I, I thought it was really wonderful, the, the um, milkshake scene where um, you, you know he's in jail and, and you're able to reach out to him in that way and sort of be attuned for the moment. And when Michelle Williams was serving the hamburgers, you know there was so much disconnection there and, and so much unattunement, but yet they were able to accept something. So it, I thought the tension was really interesting how, how there were so many needy people and so many misconnections. I'm wondering if you had any comments about that. Um, well, I'll just speak to the, the one scene that um, I was fascinated by and probably the, uh, the aspect of the character that Kelly and I talked about the most, really, um, in comparison to the love scene that sort of opens that story to the milkshake moment and what what does it mean because I, I one of the things I'm so grateful for of the many things I am as a fan of Kelly's work and such an admirer is the incremental growth of human beings and um, there's no need to get to a certain place with her characters but you know again within these pauses we see where longing takes you if you if you stick with it and um through the character of laura's journey oh my god that's my name too so that's really easy <laughs> that's why i picked it because in press it gets confusing um, <laughs> i'm a blonde actress have to keep it straight so um <laughs> so anyway with laura's character arc uh <laughs> It, it was incredible to consider uh, that moment for her as a grand gesture that she sort of gets to. Um, because maybe sometimes people live in a world where you're having to watch your back for um, 
from how you're being taken advantage of, um, or you feel you're in a man's world and always having to consider um, your place in it and making sure you're heard. Um, and the consequences, perhaps, of that are um, that one can lose sight of empathy. And so that was just a beautiful consideration in that moment to, despite his choices, to make the choice to move outside of myself toward him. And, that, and she guided me so beautifully. Because, you know, the longing, I think as the actor is, that it's going to be this real connection and that it can have all that you want it to be because you feel the heartbreak of not having given him something so deserving. Um, but, you know, again, the incremental moments are, are perhaps more palpable. Exactly. <laughs> that was a prop department. Um, <laughs> kind of on that note, too, I think that's ultimately why the rancher decides to bring the horse, because um, she sees how in her head and tired and just kind of disconnected Beth is, but also sees through that and um, wants to. Wants to. <laughs> but the, um, the thing about you know, bringing something that this is how I reconnect. This is how I kind of balance out. So just just jump up here. <laughs> um, I think looking for that and trying to, a little bit of a choice I made beforehand, because it is a grand gesture and it is just kind of weird <laughs> to bring a horse. Um, not as much in Montana, but... Uh, it, it's a little weird, but you know, it, that's the thing. I'm, I'm actually glad you said that because it's it's a very rural thing, and um, where it's cold, you don't get shy about getting close and snuggled up with somebody. It's not really you don't necessarily read into it. Um, but this horse and connecting on this horse and having that moment where you just are present. I don't know if anybody here rides, but it's pretty immediate. It's a pretty immediate like serotonin delivery when you're on a a horse, and it's a really quick way of reconnecting to, I want to call it humanity, but I'm a little bit too much of an animist to say that, well, reconnecting to whatever it is that we all have. Love. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have the high sign. We have to clear out the theater for another show, but thank you all for coming. Thanks for your Thanks patience. For thank you, thank you so guys. much. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a non-profit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-A-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>